As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Plus minus. Curry, way downtown. Bang! Bang! Oh, what a shot from Curry! Tim Kawakami deserves all the credit there. Plus minus. Tell Marcus that he asked you know, that question about my defense. You hear that, Marcus? Anthony, you know me well, buddy. Y'all have a great night. I think he got the highest plus minus in the season in NBA history. Welcome to Warriors Plus Minus. I'm in my uh, roving podcast studio with my homie Anthony Slater, who is not in Vegas anymore, correct? I am not. I uh, I had to get out of there for four or five days, Max. Five, yeah, five days was uh, is the cap. Day three, it's time to go. You know, you're like, all right, let's get out of here. Day three is the transition day from like, man, I'm having a great time to like, I'm wobbling. Yeah, day five, we we out of here. Uh, so uh, let's let's jump into it. Roster set, or are we expecting another thirty plus player to fill out that 14 spot? There's some out there. <laughs> they are collecting old heads. That's what they're doing. Hey, Rudy, Rudy Gay. I put it out there, but you know, Rudy, Rudy Gay's uh, buyout material in Oklahoma City. They have what, like 18 roster guys at this point, including Victor Oladipo, Rudy Gay, Davis Bertans. I wouldn't expect anyone that is currently like like the the actual unrestricted free agent market is pretty dry, but there are different opportunities that might present itself and. I mean, league business is still, there's still a lot out there, right? Once this Damian Lillard trade, if it goes down, if a James Harden trade goes down, if a Pascal Siakam trade goes down, like that rattles up rosters, right? It, it turns into a three-teamer. You you got um, different veterans going to different teams of where they might get bought out. It is how they got, remember they got to Michael Green last year, like July 19th, I think it was, after the Thunder bought him out. And then they actually got Ty Jerome on October 1st after a, a Thunder Houston trade meant a Ty Jerome buyout. So business is not done, but it has slowed. I'll say that. What do you think they should be targeting? The obvious need, the biggest need, the most glaring need is size. But there just aren't there aren't any big dudes who you feel like, yeah, if you put this dude on the team, he's going to contribute. Like he's going to play. It's going to be a big dude who probably won't get off the bench for Steve Kerr. 
you're calling them a stiff. You're saying they're stiff. There's there are stiffs um, available. Christian Wood is out there, but nah, I do not think uh, that is a I, Steve Kerr approved player. I mean, there are players you've never heard of that get a more favorable response than Christian Wood. <laughs> How about Omer Yurt Seven? <laughs> I love Omer Yurt Seven. I actually told him. When he was uh, in Miami, I was like, "Hey, man, you should probably go to the Bay. Like, you, you be you be the man in the Bay." But you know, he got hurt and ended up behind Tyler Zeller in the rotation. But he's the man. He's a really nice dude. You ever talk to him? Like, he's super positive. Like, he he was he was surprised that he was just chill. He's really down to earth. So you're saying get him one meeting with Steve Kerr, one phone call? Oh man, and, it'll and... be it'll be over. I bet you they remember. I first saw him like torching the Warriors. It might have been in the first California Classic, was it? Summer League killed yeah, Summer League just destroyed the Warriors. I'm like, yo, who is this dude? And I, I guess I kept expecting him to do something. But, uh, yeah, if he's available, I'd definitely swoop that up. He also has, like, the heat stamp of approval, right? You know, one of those, like, undrafted finds that makes their roster that their their hit rate is – 80% on, although Michael Mulder was another one of those, and that never worked out for the Warriors. It worked out for what it needed to be at the time. Yeah, you, know? you look, he did hit a lot of threes that one year. Never big threes. Remember, that was the big thing with him. It was like mop-up time, four of four from three. Like, huge late third quarter three miss. The big three is a little bit different. Uh, they needed Damian Lee for that, but yeah, I like I like Garrett Seven. I forgot about him. I, I, I is he a free agent? Let me answer your initial question, though. Um, I mean, I, I agree that it seems they do need another traditional center for just, you know, maybe to eat up minutes at certain times. You cannot just expect Kavon Ludi to play 82 games every season, although maybe he will. I think he has the second longest streak in the NBA of consecutive games played. Um, but that might be one of these three by, uh, two ways. And, you know, depending on, I think they're going to wait with that 14 spot either for a training camp competition, which could include Quinones, or again, if like, you know, they, they're appealed enough by like a Rudy Gay type buyout candidate, maybe it's something like that. Because you can have a big body on a two way. I mean, there's plenty of like G League type centers. And, yeah, you know, a Kata from. The Kings is a good example. He had a couple games last year for for Sacramento where they just needed a big body. He came in, he helped get a win. He was on a two way. Still is kind of available. So it could be that. But you know they made it clear. You see, I'm sure you saw the Mike Dunleavy quote from Vegas, but basically like we just don't need somebody tall. We need somebody who has good feel and passing. And you know it's clear they've leaned all the way into like can you play in Steve Kerr system? If the answer is no, then you will not be on the roster. And it doesn't matter, like, how big you are and, <laughs> like, how how physical you might be. Or Christian Wood is a good example, right? I mean, you would think that that's the highest value contract remaining out there for somebody, but like, he just doesn't fit into what they want to do on the court or in the locker room right now, right? Yeah, no, nah, he's, he's kind of the opposite of what they needed. And, you know, what's interesting about it is gone in this process is the idea that the Warriors – you know, they're normally like, man, we could fix somebody, right? Like, you don't like him. He's not that good. You, you got this criticism about him. Once we get our arms around him, like, he'll be different. But it feels like that those days are kind of like they're not they're not into that right now. They want they want dudes who they know will work. Uh, well, they've kind of failed at that a little bit, right? Just a little bit. Who was the one? No, Jermichael Green was the one. Huh? No, Dante worked. They fixed Dante. They did, but, you know, I'm not. we're not just talking about veterans here. I mean, draft picks that they've, you know, part of their, uh, the appeal of drafting like the Wiseman Kaminga back-to-back was like, 
you know, go for the big talent. We'll figure it out. Didn't work. You think it's wing they go after? Just, you know, because you always need more wings. I would say this. I think it's not a guard, right? I I think they need to be about done on the smaller guard market. I think bigger wing up to a 4-5, man, up to potentially a traditional center. I think it's anywhere in between. I think it's whoever they think is the best player available. Although you consider Quinones a guard, and I do think part of the appeal of maybe getting Quinones to accept the qualifying offer, right now he's still a restricted free agent, but but part of the way you can maybe convince him, hey, come back on a two-way, come to camp, is if you say, hey, there's still a path available to get 14. We're not giving you 14 right now, even though you've had a great summer league, right? He had 31 more uh, you know, yesterday. But you could say, if 14 is still open, if you don't guarantee a, you know, a roster spot to anybody out there, come and win that spot. And to be honest, I mean, if he, I think they should go for the best talent at 14, the guy they think can help the most, you know, no matter the position, really. I, and I do think that that's kind of their strategy that's why i don't know about it being like a 35 year old because while you know theoretically that player might be able to in a pinch give you something it just feels like while this isn't a two timeline plan you want somebody who might be usable next year you want you get somebody in on the minimum and maybe somebody that could grow a little bit they don't have to be 19 though like there is a middle ground right well, let me ask you because, I mean, you're, you're talking about a theoretical, you know, 35, 36-year-old. Let's talk about Rudy Gay. I mean, I know it's a name that's at least been bandied about even into, you know, deeper into the past. We all know, I mean, especially with the Steph Curry connection. He looked at times a little bit over the hill, right, uh, last year. But he's still, you know, bigger wing, can stretch it, can play in versatile lineups. Um, maybe he would potentially block Kaminga a little bit, which you might not want. But, like, how about him? He He's probably the threshold that we're talking here i just think they have four players who you probably just don't want playing 75 games (laughs) so i mean i get the logic of having players who could just fill right in but man you're gonna need somebody to play you're gonna need somebody to fill in like a lot which means if you get a rudy gay and he spends a month on the shelf or he looks washed, you're just piling up like people who can't play on the bench. It, it'll be it'll be swinging the pendulum the same thing the other way where you end up with six guys who can't play because this time because they just you know are injury prone. Like I guess that's what I think they should pro- try try to prevent more is like get a guy who you know if you need him to play 20 straight games in 25 minutes like he can do that and you don't have to worry about it. That's what they don't. They don't have outside of, you know, their young players they already have in, in tow. Well, it's part of why I think, you know, I know that it's an at least appealing option to them for really going hard on the training camp competition. It's what they did for all the two ways last year. If you remember, they had Quindary Weatherspoon and Quinones, a very young, raw Quinones in the two way slots. But they brought Ty Jerome in, they brought Anthony Lamb in for camp. Both those guys, you know, in, in their opinion, outplayed. The other two, and they gave those guys two-way spots because it was a true competition. I think it appeals to them to go three two two ways, and put you know if you do not guarantee anybody the 14th spot, you just bring guys in and non guarantees, even if they're veterans. Remember they did it with Avery Bradley against Gary Payton a couple you know two seasons ago. I think they do that, and then at the end of what is an informative two three weeks of games and practices, you decide who is the best player. That is sometimes the best way to do it because you get information before you make the decision it's always work for them 
it's a great tool for Santa Cruz, right? Because <laughs> uh, whoever loses ends up pretty much guaranteed to be on the Santa Cruz squad. And that person ends up, you know, with the outside chance of making it back to the team at some point. I, I like the idea of an open, like, open flow. Uh, see who could compete for it. The interesting part was, what was the lacrosse player lame last year? Pat Spencer. Pat Spencer. There were some people who were, like, thinking Pat Spencer. Me, yeah, yeah. me. I was yeah. one of the people, like, put Pat, Pat Spencer on the team, but... They clearly knew they wanted Ty Jerome, and they were obviously right about that. Yeah, I think that's a good way to go. Uh, and if that's the case, I think that that needs to be more of a two or three type player, but somebody who can handle the ball. Because to me, they still need somebody. Corey Joseph is just it's not doing it for you? Yeah. Can he go get a bucket, man? Uh, not really. I mean, like that is where – like the, the plan is to definitely have Quinones either on a two-way or on the roster, so – he can score for you now. He, I think he has higher ambitions than being on a two-way, and they need to figure that out. But, you know, as we remember from last year, two-ways can play and play plenty of games and play over lottery Steve picks. Steve Kerr will play remember. them over lottery picks. He will do that. <laughs> Look, if, if, if Corey Joseph ends up better than what I think he'll be, he's, to me, he just strikes me as more of a defender position, you know, sp- good spot-up shooter can make open shot so yeah i mean i I could see the universe where Corey joseph is valuable uh to me though man they still need a they still need to do who could create offense for other people create offense for himself i mean bottom line is they lost a lot with jordan Poole, and they get it back in chris paul but you just don't want chris paul playing you know a, a ridiculous amount of games so for those 20 games Chris Paul's out, and we know that twenty games could make a difference. Like that, that's that's seeding, that's first round by for those twenty games. Who you got? Who can you get? And, you know, that might even Wiggins. be the Adam Silver Cup. What if he misses? The, yeah, oh, or man, whatever Adam's, we're calling yeah. the NBA Cup. I mean, you know, the other answer too is Wiggins, right? Like if Wiggins can be that that's type always of player. Your answer, and you're not wrong, but that's often your <laughs> reminder to, to everybody. What about? They're supposed second best player. We've seen Wiggins do it. (laughs) On the biggest stage. Let me ask you, what's your updated take on the Chris Paul acquisition? Uh, After absorbing it for a few weeks, seeing how they, you know, kind of have rebuilt the roster, including Dario Saric, a guy he had a great connection with in Phoenix, Um, but also after hearing his press conference in Vegas and just uh, where you at on the Chris Paul early experience. So I've gone from, like, shocked, right? Like, I can't believe this is happening to, like, kind of with it. Like, all right, it makes it, like, I get it to, I don't know about this. <laughs> if Like, how different is this if Chris Paul gets in front of reporters and is like, hey, man, whatever the team needs. Like, doesn't that change everything? If he just says that, if he just says whatever the team needs, like, not everything, but it would be a good sign, and it would uh, it would clear. Like now, guess what the media day question is? Guess what That's the what first is. three days of practice? Day one, who's who's coming off the bench? Hey, forget forget just then. Guess what the first couple weeks of the season? If he's on the bench and they're struggling, or if he's in the starting lineup and they're struggling, you know what I mean? Like this is this is now start or bench. It becomes really kind of a similar storyline to pool, and may, maybe that would have been an. A, unavoidable even if he kind of hinted that he'd be okay with it just because it's just how it goes but uh yeah it's so you, 
I mean, that would did that quote or that defiance kind of it made you more concerned about the the partnership? I don't. I don't say the point. It was obviously money, but one of the benefits of trading away pool was getting rid of a, like a major piece of like drama or dysfunction, right? Like that was supposed to solve that. You know, so this idea of bringing Chris Paul in being the solution, like that's already a tough sale. But but now if you have to deal with this constant like who's who's in the final five, because even we just talk about starting like that's that's the primary easy one. But like who finishes games is going to be a big deal. Uh, and based on what we know about Steve Kerr, man, Looney's going to find his way on the court, man. Like. He's also going to find his way bench like six times, even after he has like career nights. Oh yeah, no question, no question at all. Like this is going to—it's just—it's going to be constant dialogue, right? It's going to be now. Remember when it was Andre Iguodala? Like he was just coming off the bench, and that was it, right? And even when, even when it was revealed, he clearly had an issue with it, right? Like he didn't say anything, so nobody knew, but he had a problem with it. But it wasn't a question. So, Chris Paul is so good, and I'm sure he's gonna play well enough sometimes to make you wonder, like, why is he, why is he not in the game? But his whole purpose for being here is to, like, cut turnovers down and have like a a secondary option late in games. So he was playing late in games anyway, right? They didn't they didn't trade him to have him on a bench unless you know. Kaminga or Moody or somebody like that just completely outplays him and makes it clear Chris Paul needs to sit down, which is a whole different level of drama, right? Because now it's like, all right, this dude is out by trade deadline. Like, what can they get for him? So it just feels like they 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 they, they solved one problem and created another, and maybe it's not a problem, but it feels like it's trending that way. Because what if the answer is Clay? What if it's very clear Clay's the one who needs to come off the bench? Or what if it's very clear Draymond is the one who needs to come off the bench? Like, how does that work? A lot of times these problems kind of solve themselves game to game. And, you know, that includes, like, you know, Clay will miss a handful of games. And, you know, maybe on back to backs, Chris Paul sits one of the games, Clay sits the other game. You know, there's, there's ankle tweaks, obviously, but there's also just, hey, Clay's super hot tonight go to him or hey it's a night where you just need like a controlled fourth quarter and clay's you know three of 12 shooting and he's taking those like you know uh short arm like you know fade away you know mid-rangers and maybe that's a night hey clay like this needs to be a chris paul you know finishing unit instead or you know obviously there's gonna be plenty of nights that looney doesn't play the fourth but hey maybe kaminga's having a big night and he needs to be rewarded that's coaching um the one thing I will say with the Paul thing, I do think they can maneuver the rotation various ways, even potentially start him and, and get him out quick and just make sure he needs to play the non-Curry minutes. That's the big appeal of, of Chris Paul is the non-Steph Curry minutes. And they're already in the process of it. I mean, Rick Celebrini's already sat down with Chris Paul, had a long meeting. You know, they've looked at various data about his injuries in the past and uh, different ways they can manage him. I know that, that they've looked at how the Thunder managed him. Remember that one season he played in Oklahoma City? Yes, that was his healthiest, you know, best managed season of the last few. And I do think there's some of that uh, that'll be mixed into the Warriors' plan. So I'm not 
overly concerned about it entering camp, except, yes, it is, it's going to be a, a common question early in camp, early in the season. And but you're going to be asking it. That's that. You know, you're going to be the one stirring the pot, as Jordan Poole said. That's our job, right? <laughs> I was always got to stir it a little bit. I can't, I can't stir it with Jordan Poole anymore, so got to find somewhere. By the way, Chris Paul is going to stir it right back, as as we've learned. No question at all. I actually, but like aside from all that, first off, like I like the fact that he brings something that's different than what they do, and it's reliable. And I know that's what they were trying to do with like the James Wiseman and the Kaminga, but what Chris Paul does is far more reliable, right? He's got 19 years of doing it. So to me, late in games – when you want to control the ball, when you want to get a high percentage shot, something the Warriors don't do, I think it works that Chris Paul has that option to his to his favor, to me. And I'm actually incredibly interested in how that impacts Steph Curry because, to me, as you know, I, you know the AAU coaching me is like, yo, Steph, mid-range wide open, yo. <laughs> mid-range wide open. So if that just adds to Steph's game, like, we already saw them working together in Vegas, right? They've already begun the process of gelling. Like, if he starts developing that mid-range just by the influence of Chris Paul, like, that's a that's a, that's a a long-term benefit for the Warriors because it just creates another level that Steph is comfortable scoring. And I mean, like, to me, like, Steph's got the mid-range. He doesn't take it a lot. But to me, he does a lot of the floater mid-range, which – it's clearly influenced a, a whole generation if you've watched it, you know, pods. <laughs> I feel like pods, that's all he does is floaters. <laughs> well, let's get to him in a second. I do want to talk about maybe a little summer league. But one of the things that I think a lot of the conversation lately about the Chris Paul edition is too much saying, like, you know, they've never put, like, it's a, it's the Warrior system, it's the Steve Kerr system, the Steph system, the all, you know, off-ball movement. They've never done anything different. Like, how are they going to solve this? Do you do you remember, I'm looking at the lineup data from the 2018 season right now, David West, Sean Livingston, Andre Iguodala, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. That was our second unit. They had an offensive rating of 100 and a defensive rating of 90.6. Yeah, I was about to say 89 or something like that. Yeah, it was crazy, yeah. They just went fifth gear to second gear, wrestling match for 12 minutes a game, completely changed the way they played when they took Steph and Kevin Durant off the floor. And, like, it was, right, it's Livingston 17-footers, it's long possessions, it's David West, high post, back cuts. Livingston posting, yeah. Yeah, Chris Paul's different. You know, there'll be more pick and roll, which they're they're embracing. By the way, you, you can there isn't like a tug of war right now behind the scenes. Like I don't want to go more Chris Paul pick and roll. I think Steve Kerr does want to do that with the second unit and Dario Saric and Jonathan Kaminga. Like they have embraced different styles of play with Steph off the floor before, and that is the biggest thing about the Chris Paul thing is like find a good stable unit when Steph sits, and they'll be better. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? 
Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. I do think, and we've seen it, the offense, if they've got the pieces, has simplified before down the stretch, like late in games. They do go more traditional. It's not just running gun like crazy. I mean, I, I know you remember in 2017, you know, they're playing uh, Utah, and they just every time down, pick and roll, get Rudy Gobert out the paint, right? Like every time down. And Remember the funny thing about that? that- who was the head coach? Mike Brown. <laughs> Mike Brown was like, every time. We're going to do it every single time. 20, was it 2019? Uh, you know, KD is out. Game five, game six. They Fourth quarter, it's all Draymond Green, Steph, pick and roll. It's not helter-skelter. It's not fast. It's like they're walking the ball up. They're setting up. They're running Draymond Green, pick and roll to get the front three. Like, the Warriors do that. To me, the difficulty about last season is when it was time to do that, they didn't have the people who could do it, right? Like, th- that was the difficulty. If when you trap Steph, like, they had, the, like, they're starting to be able to have a solution for, all right, dump it to Draymond, then what, right? Like, teams are figuring out what to do with that. Or, you know, they don't have the guys who can knock down the shots reliably, you know, to make that 4 on 3 work. I think teams are kind of figuring it out. Uh, that's one of the reasons I think Chris Paul will work, like, the game slows in the playoffs at the end of stretch. Like, it slows. So you're seeing more pick and roll with Steph. You're seeing more ISO Steph. And they need another option to be able to score in those times. They, they just couldn't do it in the playoffs because they didn't get a good version of Jordan Poole. And that was pretty much ball game, right? That was it right there. It was Poole's struggles. It was Wiggins' like lack of rhythm. It was Clay. You know, Clay obviously had a really bad Lakers series. And no, you know, no Otto Porter, right? You know, how many times in that title run did he just randomly hit a wing three, like, you know, on a key possession where it got swung? So that will be the difference. But the big thing about Chris Paul, you know, you alluded to it right there. Like, hey, it's deep in the playoffs. It'll be slowed down. He'll help. He's got to be there. He's got to be available. That's where this, I do think it'll be a mini tug of war between him and, and the performance staff. As we know, we know we've written a long story about as much as Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Kevon Looney, as much as they have like the utmost respect for Rick Celebrini and in a lot of ways credit a lot of his very patient, tentative style of, of managing them, they have had their tussles about 
you know, missing games, limiting minutes, you know, minutes restriction, all, all that them, over the right, past. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is going to be Chris Paul's first experience with a Rick Celebrini. And uh, just how that gets managed will be key because, yeah, I do think, you know, in a game five of a West Finals, having him a healthy Chris Paul as an option would be great. And, like, you know, people act like he's struggled in the playoffs the last several years. No, he hasn't. He's been fine when he's healthy. That's the question. It's going to be interesting from that perspective, too, because one of the buffers in that Celebrini versus player war was Bob Myers, right? So it's like Myers who go to Steph like, yeah, man, I know, he, you know, you can't play your Draymond. So that's going to be Dunleavy now. So it's going to be Dunleavy and Chris Paul talking about why he's got to listen to Rick Celebrini. <laughs> <laughs> you know who else it'll be? I mean, that's where, like, you know, the respect level for Steph Curry has to, like, we'll see how, what Chris Paul truly feels about this, like, established Warriors core, right? Can Draymond Green, can Steph Curry, can Clay Thompson? We're mostly talking Steph and Draymond. And me, maybe Andre Iguodala is still floating around the organization, a guy he clearly respects. But can they convince him of, of some of these? Right, you're like, yeah, man, we felt the same way. But trust, you got to trust him on this one. He right. And, again, that's when it becomes – about like what is this what is this relationship truly because right now i'm not saying they're putting on a front right now but they're definitely putting like the pr face of like we're happy this is fine i know this is weird but like we're all accepting it as russell westbrook and lebron james can attest it's different from saying that in the season and then like stuff goes wrong during a a cold stretch where you're four and six in the last 10 games there's minor bruises and bumps there's mistakes on the court there's a little bit of like you know turbulence in the locker room that's when the relationships are tested and we just don't know what the chris paul draymond steph you know relationship triangle truly will be because i don't think they know right now it's not possible to know and you know chris paul is the wild card right like i mean he's chris paul it probably already took a little bit to say yeah i'll go to steph's team so if it's not working you know that might <laughs> that might that might go away quick. Like who knows? But I also think like the dude is thirty eight, about to be you know approaching thirty nine. I'm assuming at some point. Well, that was the assumption before his his interview, right? But I'm assuming like he's like, yo, man, let's just win, whatever. I don't care. Let's just win. I agree with you, but it's not even just like, oh, you know, we haven't talked about if I'm com starting to come off the bench yet. It's this idea that, like, he still believes clearly. I mean, Dunleavy alluded to it. He still clearly believes he's a 30-minute-per-game player. He's 70, you know, games played in the regular season. And also, he thinks he's playing, like, three, four more years. Like, he does not think, like, oh, this is the swan song. Like, he's thinking, like, this is, you know, a path to a next contract, right? So it's it's not what it, you know... In this ideal world, I agree that like this is where Chris Paul probably should be, but uh, it's obvious he's not there. Nah, he's like, man, I'm, I'm that 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 is going to impact a lot of this stuff, right? Like how he takes it, you know, if if he's still trying to get another contract, but somehow he's on the bench at the end of games, like that's not gonna help him. No, especially with him knowing like the contract control the Warriors have, this like thirty million non guaranteed, which can be a trade chip, but also like right before free agency can be he could be cut. The flexibility, the fact that like, you know, a lot in a lot of ways his expiring contract could help lead to re signing Clay Thompson. So a little bit of that, you know, we, we dealt with it last year with all the extensions kind of bumping up against each other, right? We wrote about it. Everybody's money. 
uh, at this point is kind of bumping against each other. And particularly, we're talking Clay's and, and, and Chris Paul's next year. So, But everywhere he goes, they, he, they win. So if anything solves this, it's winning, right? And whether it was in Phoenix, whether it was in Houston, whether it was Oklahoma City, the team was just better than they were before when Chris Paul was there. So that is probably the best solution to make this work, if they're winning. Well, also, you know, year one, he all it, he always seems to land better with the way he operates than maybe two, three, four, right? It's like year one of the Clippers changes the culture. That one season in Oklahoma City changed the culture. The first Houston season compared to the second. The first Phoenix season compared to maybe this last one. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of reasons for optimism about the now. They, they've leaned in hard to the now. Uh, I really think the Dario Sarge signing completed their rotation in a lot of ways. We didn't really get much into it. We don't need to. I mean, it's pretty simple, right? We all know what type of player he is. Stretch four, can play make. I mean, I know they like the way he can. Like actual size, yeah. Like real size. Yeah, so that's big. Uh, Last thing we should talk about. uh, Just, I mean, we can't talk Trace Jackson Davis. He's supposed to debut later today from when we're talking. You know, maybe we'll get a a brief glimpse of him. I mean, he matters. He might actually end up needing to fill some front court minutes, but Pajemski, I mean, not shooting it at all, not even hitting his free throws really like normal. The floater's not falling. The three's not falling. You can see his athletic limitations. The court vision has been better than even advertised, yeah, impressive. I'd say. I mean, he yeah. Had that, yeah, he had that tennis game. The feel is there. I, you see the appeal of, of what type of basketball player they thought they were getting, the competitiveness. But I do think we're talking about a lot of G League next season. Yeah, I actually feel better about him after watching him in Summer League. Like, there's an element that that you don't see in the clips. Like, the stuff you see that's poor in the clips, like, it's definitely there. But the feel for the game, to me, is going to be his saving grace. And I'm saying that mostly because he's playing with the Warriors, right? Like, that's how you play with the Warriors. I'm, I'm presuming... He'll figure out his shot because that's what shooters do, right? You, especially if you're around the best shooters in the world, you figure out the shot. And I, I think a lot of his struggles shooting has to do with decision-making. Uh, he's taking way too many floaters. like, And they're like they're like roof-scraping floaters, right? Like, Moon <laughs> like, balls, man. He throws I, that thing I, up. I almost think he needs to just get rid of that shot. Uh, it's not like he's mastered it. it. Like Emmanuel quickly had that floater coming into the league, right? Like that. If you got it's the floater, to you tell got him it. to get rid of it though, because like for his ceiling that he must believe is there in the NBA as like a score. You know, you got to th- believe that's what he. You know, he thinks he is long term. That is a shot he must get down to be who he wants to be. I get what you're saying. Like on the Warriors, if he plays in the game, he probably shouldn't be taking it that much. But in Santa Cruz, I just think he could step in and pull up and take a regular mid range. Like it doesn't always have to be the tricky. Let me get this up high before. I, I think he kind of underestimates his ability to get off in that situation. But that shot, like he needs to master it before he pulls it out in the game. Instead, take a little more traditional shot. I feel a little bit better about a spot-up three. I feel a lot better about that, which is a shot he's probably going to take more if he plays with the Warriors. It's going to be a catch-and-shoot. But just the way he moves on the court gives me a little bit better feeling. I I agree with you, though. I I wouldn't expect him to contribute immediately. I see, oddly enough, I don't think he's nearly as talented, but I see the Jordan Poole route. 
I see the first year being a bit of a struggle and tough, and it's going to all come down to how he works on his game over the summer, how he develops himself, and his body type. He doesn't need to become an, a you know big time. Athlete. He's got to be stronger though if he's going to be yes. that not quicker, explosive. Quicker yeah, first yeah, yeah, yeah. So it just feels like like this is a learn the ropes year. This is a learn how to work year, and then the second year, like you should be able to see a little bit more. But like his feel for the game makes you think like man, he could figure it out. Like like he knows where to be on the court, right? Like he you can see him moving. Like he's seeing. He's seeing cutters. He knows where the trailer is. Like, he's a good passer. If Kaminga had 30% of that, he'd be... Oh, no. You know what I'm saying? Kaminga actually at times can make really No, like, he's good. Read. Like, just give him... That's the only thing that holds Kaminga back, I think, is, like, just that feel for what I should be doing on the court right now. Like, it's not natural or instinctive, like, but he's learning it as he goes. Uh, once he gets that, it's over, but... You know, obviously, if you give if you give Pajipski thirty percent of Kaminga's athleticism, it'd be over too. So, yeah, it's interesting because you know this new Seth Cooper, David Fatoki run player development department. One of what they believe is the, believe is the strength of it is teaching young players like decision making, right? Point five. I mean, all these drills and and games to teach that is kind of what I think he has down. Yeah, right? yeah, right, yeah. You know, that's, that's the part I'm like, part. I don't know. Like, that doesn't need that. I mean, obviously, you're trying to develop everything, but that doesn't need as much polishing. It's pretty polished. It's more the strength, as we mentioned, weight room type stuff, and, uh, you know, I guess the sharper parts of his game. But, all right, anything else from summer from the roster before we get out of here for an indisclosed amount of time? Bold prediction. I'm going with Guy Santos making it making the roster as a two-way. Let's go, Gee. I'm, I'm feeling that. The the Anthony Lamb of the new season. Yeah, it's interesting. I would say the, the one thing about Gee Santos' situation is you cannot just bring Gee Santos to camp and go, hey, you know, try to get a two-way if you don't go back to the G League and we still have your rights. If you bring him to camp, that's you bringing him over, over essentially, camp, right? Yep. So I would say if he's in camp, like he's going to have a two-way. And he looked really good, and I, I know there was kind of an organizational plan to, you know, hopefully have him play another league, you know, year in the Santa Cruz and, and and sharpen up a little bit more before maybe the following season. Talking about you know two way roster, whatever. But I think he showed enough. You got three two ways now, and he's a bigger wing that could score. You know, you're gonna want your two. You don't want your two ways in the rotation nearly as much as the Warriors had him last season. So have him on a two-way and play him in Santa Cruz, you know, pretty much the entire season. His three-point shot is what sold me on it. Like, it's it's Catch far more reliable than I thought it would be. Uh, he's still a little wild on those drives. It's like head down, hair everywhere, out of control. But if somebody driving, kick it to him, you feel good about him knocking it down. And then he's got some good size. He can make a pass on the move. I agree with you. Like he, he's very turnover prone when he gets into traffic. But you know, your hope is that you convince him, like, hey, if you are playing with the main warriors, like, none of those drives into traffic. But it's tough to like you know strip that from somebody's game in select situations and then go tell him to use it again. That's part of what the Warriors have dealt with the last few years. But uh, other than that, okay, yeah, uh, maybe see some Trace Jackson Davis in the next uh, day or so. And other than that, we will talk again some point down the line. I'm not exactly sure when. 
maybe we should talk at the the huge, huge, huge signing of Rudy Gay when that goes down to complete the old head roster. <laughs> that locker room will be wise. Oh, oh! Don't forget about Glenn Robinson the third. Let's go. Glenn Robinson the third, uh, former Warrior. Yeah, Glenn I mean, Robinson worked out at the Warriors facility. I saw him. I talked to Glenn a little bit. I don't know. I'm talking about uh, the the Vegas one. You know, he's working out with a bunch of teams. He's really trying to get back in the league. Steve Kerr loved him. I was surprised he didn't you know latch on longer in the league. But anyway, that is definitely a conversation for another day. We're in the weeds, uh, we buddy. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk again down the line. All right, peace.